21, and let's go to Zechariah 9. Matthew 20, Zechariah 9. I, I got a little bit overwhelmed today in putting together, and my message this morning is very brief. I will not keep you or hold you uh, any longer than the Lord has intended for us. As I was pursuing going to different addresses in the Bible, looking at, you know, every author, sometimes you can share a story that all four Gospels will relate to. Sometimes you'll share a story that only one Gospel will relate to. But this morning, as I was looking for two or three sources to to back up my thought or my theme today, and uh, most of you are aware that 2,000 years ago this week, there was a moment that we have called Palm Sunday, and right before uh, Easter Sunday, and it's in, it's, in, it's in reference to and in support of when Jesus went into Jerusalem a few days before he was crucified, riding on a donkey, the people begin to lay their coats down on the, on the, the, the gravel road, begin to put palms down on the gravel road. And a phenomenal miracle, you don't hear a lot about the miracle because I, I think a lot of pastors or ministers are not really believe it or aware of it or, or respond to it. But in this moment when he rides into Jerusalem and the people begin to praise and worship, and we'll tell you, we'll tell you some of those words they share. But in this moment of revelation, the New Testament said that there were babies that opened their mouth and begin to speak. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Sometimes as I'm talking to Skylar, I'm wondering what she's thinking. And sometimes I think, I think she's thinking, these dumb, why do they do all these dumb things to get me to laugh or to smile? What's, you know, what's all, I mean, you look at, it, you look at a baby, there's, there's no telling what that baby's, I mean, they're really, but would it not blow your mind this morning if Skylar just in perfect English begin to say, Hosanna. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Is that not crazy? But that's one of the miracles that took place on that day. You don't hear a lot of reference, but, but they tried to shut the kids up. And Jesus said, didn't you remember where it says even the nursing babies would, would, would praise me and worship me? So it's kind of phenomenal. That was the revelation that I want to talk about. The, the revelation that I want to talk about this morning is found. Uh, let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and look at it. Take it first. Let's go there. Pairs of glasses today, so I would not. Matthew 21, just read a, let me read a few verses. And when they came near Jerusalem, and it reached Bethphaser at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples on ahead, saying to them, Go into the village that is opposite you, and at once you will find a donkey tied and a coat will tie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall reply, the Lord needs them, and he will let them go without delay. This happened that was, that was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled. This happened what that was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled. Say to the daughter of Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and riding on a donkey and on a colt, and a foal of a donkey is a beast of burden. Then the disciples went and did as Jesus directed him. They brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats upon them, and he seated himself on them, on, on, on them the clothing. And most of the crowd kept spreading their garments on the road, and others kept cutting branches from the trees and scattering them on the road. 
and the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed Hosanna, graciously inclined to the son of David, the Messiah. Blessed, praised, and glorified is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, O oh, he favorably disposed in the highest heaven. And when he'd entered Jerusalem, all, all the city became agitated and trembling with excitement, saying, Who is this? And the crowds replied, This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet from Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple. Let me explain this. I don't want to introduce. Let's stop right there. So go to, go to uh, Zechariah 9 and 9. And, 9, and 9. Let's go to 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. He is uncompromisingly just and having salvation, triumphant and victorious, patient, meek, lowly, and riding on a donkey, upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is the, if you'll, if you'll stop there and if you'll go with me to John the 12th chapter. I was introduced to a, um, let me go and read John 12 real quick. Verse 12. The next day, a vast crowd of those who had come to pass over feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And they kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he, and praise to him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus, having found a young donkey, rode upon it. Let me share that again. And Jesus, having found a young donkey, rode upon it just as it was written in Scripture. Do not fear, O daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting upon a donkey's colt. I want to start right there. Here, where I was headed this, mor this morning or last night, where I was headed was the attitude of, are you a fan or are you a follower? And in this, in this brief exhortation, there is a moment. One translation says all the city. Another translation said most of the crowd, as Jesus began to approach Jerusalem, they begin to praise, they begin to worship, they begin to lay their coats down on the ground. They begin to cut palm branches and lay them out. It's almost like a king entering into the city. And then just a few days later, very same crowd, very same people begin to shout, crucify. They spit on him and they said, prophesy now. That's in Matthew, that's in Matthew 25. But the, the point that I want to make is that one day, everybody's all pumped that Jesus is there. And then the next day, everybody's saying, crucify him. And so that's why I come up with the thought, are you a fan or are you a follower? Now, when, when I look back in my, in, in my growing up and being, being a young man, a teenager, a young man, all of that, I can't ever really remember following anybody. I don't know, I don't know if there was someone in your life that, you, was your hero, or maybe you were a rock group groupie. If you are, we don't need to know about all of that. Or maybe there was, maybe there, maybe there was, maybe you were one of those those Dodger fans or Bulldog fans. I mean, you might be a redneck if you put your dog's fan on your car in April 
you might be a red, you might you might be a bulldog, Georgia, but 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 there's never there's never been there's never been really Gail. There's really there's never been. I mean, I didn't follow Jim Jones, obviously. Uh, you know, I didn't follow Sung Young Moon. I did. There, there really was nothing in my life that I remember growing up following. But I do remember growing up that I was a I was a fan. Bands I liked to be around. There was some actors and actresses that I thought were pretty cool that I liked all that. But I never dressed like them. I never wore my hair like them. I never wanted to be be like them. I just enjoyed what they did. And I think a lot of times in the church today, we have a lot of people that come to church that they're fans. I remember early 70s, the Doobie Brothers sang a song that said, Jesus is just all right with me. And if you'll, if you'll reflect in the rock and roll archives, you'll find several bands have reference to God, Jesus, uh, at a U2 concert, they close every concert singing Amazing Grace a cappella. It's phenomenal. It's incredible. But I don't think U2 is a follower of Jesus Christ. I think that U2 is a fan of Jesus Christ. And it's like it's like on this day, we're all buddy-buddy. We're all mouthing. We're all worshiping. We're all praising. And then two days later, you know, he, he needs to be crucified on a tree because of all the stuff that, that we're going through. So, I had four questions this morning that I just wanted to mention. And before I share the four questions, three of them, does anybody know what the the um, the initials DTR stands for? Is that a, is that a is that a familiar? Courtney, do you know what it, what does it mean? Yes, I didn't know that. I said, "How cool!" I found something almost sixty-one years of age. I found something I did not know. I was so impressed with myself, defining the relationship. This morning, if, if we don't do anything else in, in the next 15 minutes or, or 10 minutes, whatever, we all need to come to a place in our life where we need to define the relationship. Now, I don't know what would have happened. Well, yeah, I do know what would have happened. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that I would have liked to have been there in that IHOP parking lot when Pastor Ron and I had our first technical little date. The camp meeting was over. We're driving back to L.A. It's about a two or three hour drive. She let someone drive her car. He's riding with me. We went to IHOP. That was probably our first date. Kissed in the parking lot. But I wonder our relationship would have gone had we sat down at IHOP over a stack of pancakes and maple syrup heated with butter. <laughs> and she would have looked at me and said, I want to ask you a question. And I said, okay, sure. She said, I want you to define the relationship. And my attitude would be, say what? Yes, what? Where, where do you see this going? What, what are your intentions? What, what plans do you have for this relationship? You know what? I'd have probably left her in the parking lot of high op and went and dated her sister. That's probably what I would have, that's probably what I would have done. But, you know, we're, I think we're all going to come to a place in our life where sooner or later we're going to have the DTR. We're going to have the relationship. What is the relationship that you have with Christ? Is it, is it a relationship as a fan? Now, I'm a fan of his miracles. I'm a fan of the Beatitudes. I'm a fan of stories in the Bible. I'm a fan of the movie Moses. I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of this. Are, are, are you a fan or are you a follower? But before I share what I felt like the Lord gave me this morning, I need to show you 
what the Lord showed me this morning. When he gave instruction to the disciples, the Bible says he did it because it was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah that he would ride into Jerusalem and there'd be palm branches and people saying, Hosanna, blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Revelation, Pastor Ronnie, that I had, I've never heard this. I've never seen this. I've never entertained it. I've never, no one's ever spoken this into me. It was something I felt like the Lord gave me this morning. I was really struggling with what, what I felt like the Lord was giving me. But Jesus, knowing a particular prophecy was spoken about him, he put things into effect to make it come to pass. And when I reflect on that, Jerry, my attitude immediately is, what are some things that have been spoken over me? What are some of the things that's been prophesied over me? What did this evangelist say when they pulled me out of a... I got that face, I'm telling you. I got that face that Rick, it just looks like you need to call me out. I mean, I can remember going to... I'll be careful, but I can remember going to hear a prophet speak at uh, Andrew Tell's church. He wasn't the pastor at that time. But this guy was notorious, prophetic, called people out like Billy Burke and Tim Woodson. And so I positioned myself behind him so that the female and he wouldn't dress. And sure enough, halfway through a sermon, he said, you, yeah, the guy stood me up, prophesied over me. First time I went to hear Tim Woodson, he had no clue who I was. I had no clue who he was. He called me out and prophesied over me. And I got to thinking, if I fulfill all the prophecies that were spoken over me, I can't die till I'm at least 100. I got way, I don't have enough time to do all the things that have been prophesied over me. And I don't know, well, I do know, and I do, I, let me rephrase that. This congregation is not the type of people that get to a big meeting an hour early to make sure that they sit on the front row and they've been practicing all week on that expression that says, I need a word. I got to have a word. You got a word for me. Well, what's the Lord saying? Give me, give me a word. And nine times, I, you know, I say nine times out of ten. I don't, I don't have a clue how many out of ten does it. But to me, when I was the guy calling out people and giving words, to me it was like, why should I give you a word when you didn't operate on the last word that I gave you? Give you a word when obviously it doesn't mean all that. That I mean, I'll sign your Bible. I'll sell you, I'll sell you my taste. But why should I give you a word you didn't honor the last word? And there are people in life, they simply need a word. It's not like they're going to fulfill the or participate in the word, but they just like, then there are those that, that go intentions. They, they, they didn't go to take. They, they went to give. They went to be a part. They went to celebrate. And somewhere in that, you know, it's not always the pulpit ministry, Abigail. I can tell you time after time after time in a congregation, people would come up to me and say, hey, I just want to share with you what the Lord, what the Lord gave me for you. I mean, that happens a lot. And in this congregation, I can see different ones in this house calling and saying, hey, I was praying for you. Your, 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 your mind your, your came to my mind. You came to my spirit. And this is what I feel like. I'm telling you, with Facebook and with text, it doesn't happen once or twice. It happens several times a week. I'll get a response from someone saying, thank you. You have no idea what I was going through. Out of the blue, I text one of my cousins that I, I, I love dearly. I, actually, I think she's a third cousin. And I just said, hey, just wanted you to know. I'm praying for you. She comes back on Facebook. Her mom just died. She has shingles on her face, and her older son got back on drugs. Didn't have a clue. But something prompted me to just let her know. I'm standing with you. 
And I think that births that in us that we have the confidence to go to one another and say, hey, I want to tell you what the Lord gave me for you. I love that. I love that. But here's what Jesus did. He knew what the word said about him, so he, he went in the direction of bringing that word to fruition because he had the ability to do that. And if I got a word spoken over me that says you're going to be debt free, then I don't need to be taking my credit card and buying a Bentley or, or if my credit card wouldn't buy a Bentley, probably a bag of popcorn at IMAX. But, but, but I mean, if God's telling me, you know, you're, you're going to be, a, you're going to be a teacher, you're going to, well, then I need to take some courses on teaching. Well, you're going you're gonna to walk in this particular, I need to read every book I can. Am I talking to any, did, did this, I mean, this so impressed me that, that Jesus went through to make the word come to prophesy over him. So he said, go get this donkey because it's prophesied. And he, and he quoted Zechariah when he said, this is what is prophesied. So I thought how cool that was is that what can, what can I do this week? to draw closer to the prophetic word that's been spoken over me by so many. What, what, what can I do? And I'll tell you, the, the way that I do what's spoken over me, I just get in a crowd of sinners and hang out because that's what God called me to do. He called me to go up to the prodigal. He, he told me to go up to the drug addict. He told me to go up to unwed mother. That's what, that's, what, that's what I'm good at. That's what I do. And I get, there's someone there that's on drugs or alcohol. There's just something that comes alive to me. There's, there's, I'm, I am a... I am a I am a connector. I'll connect this person with the rehab. I'll connect this person with the counselor. I'll connect this person with the passage from the word of God. So today as we reflect this morning on what, what, has, what has been spoken over you, what, what has your wife spoken over you, what, are, what have you spoken over your kids, what, what has your pastor spoken over you, what is a, a brother and sister, what have they spoken over you, rehearse it and then say, what, I mean, Jesus is our model if Jesus made things happen to bring the prophecy into fruition, that's our example. What can I do? What decisions can I make this week that would uh, spoken over me? And I, I really, that, that's really, if I just stopped right there, that's really all that I have for you. But I did write down a couple more things. So if you don't, if you don't mind, I'll ask you this. The, the first question was what? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you, are you music or are you a groupie that's there? before all the rock shows start. The second question I like to ask this morning, where you're at right now, is it based upon a decision or is it based upon a commitment? Is there a difference? Absolutely, there is a difference. Decision commitment can be, can be itemized in a story concerning a conversation between a pig the chicken says to the pig, said, let's provide breakfast this morning. And the pig said, that's easy for you to say because you're just making a donation. I got to make a commitment. The chicken spits out a couple eggs, but the pig got to lay them and fry them up and get that, get that bacon going. And so in, in our relationship with God, are we serving God now because we made a decision are we serving God now because we are committed to the cause? We're committed to the cross. We're committed to destiny. We're committed to prophecy. We're committed to becoming what God wants us to be, regardless of, of whether that we get everything that we ask and everything we want and everything we desire. I think a lot of people get discouraged. They'll make a commitment to serve Christ. But Josh, making a commitment to, to serve Christ 
does not answer any any problem questions. It just produces all kinds of problems. I mean, if, if you're in this society and you really want to make a difference and you really want to serve the Lord, with, there's going to be conflict. And there's going to be, and you know what? A lot of the conflict is so demonic, the ones who are operating the conflict, they don't know it. They don't, they don't even realize they're being used by the devil to try to irritate you or get on your last nerve. Am I talking to anybody in the building? And so I, do, do we, well, I made a decision not to cuss anybody out. I made a decision not to run anybody off the road. I made a decision not to do a drug deal. I made a decision to stay faithful. I made a decision. Okay, is my relationship with God based upon decisions? Or is my relationship with God based upon commitment? Which goes into our third question is, do you have knowledge about him? Or are you intimate with him? Do you have knowledge about him? Or are you intimate with him? And I go to very powerful, powerful and I thought that you, I, I, I thought Courtney and Christine and Tatum and, and Alex and Isaiah would enjoy this particular thought. But there's coming a day. It's really going to happen. It's really going to transpire when the Lord's going to return. Catch a church away and there's going to be a judgment. The Bible called the great white throne of judgment. Millions, billions will stand before God. And on that day, give account. On that day, determine whether they were a fan or a follower. On that day, determine whether they was a decision or commitment. And there are going to be those that are going to be surprised. Some will be flabbergasted when he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Some he'll say, enter in, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many. And the few things done, he talked about it, feeding the widow, clothing the widow, helping the, the, the fatherless children. That's what we are to do. That's what Keith does. That's what youth camp does. That's what this ministry today does. That This week we'll try to help someone that's hurting because of money you put in an offering to, to support this ministry. But there will actually be those, angel, that will stand before him and they are going to respond and say, I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick in your name. I preached sermons. I sang songs. I gave altar calls in your name. And he doesn't say, no, you didn't. No, that's what he says. He says, I never knew you. We find that word no in Genesis 4 and 1, where it says that Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. So that word know, and, and funny enough, in the Hebrew, that, that word is, you ready? Wait for it. Yada. This message is not yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but that's what that Hebrew word yada and it is to, to, to know a physical relationship that a man has with his wife. That's the intimacy that God's talking about. That's the intimacy that Christ wants us to have with our church. And there's going to come a day when God's going to say, do you have knowledge of me 
or were you intimate with me? And I, this is my personal opinion that I believe that intimacy is only produced and supported and, and, and grows through worship. That's just my opinion. I feel like worship is our way of becoming intimate with God, not just, not just knowing about him, not just knowing his way. It says that no, Moses knew God because of his ways. The people knew God because of his acts. There's some people, they just serve God because things happen. There are others serve God that they would drink the Kool-Aid. They would take the, they would take, you point the gun to their head. Do not, do you not surprise or I kill you? There are people who say, kill me. I would like to think that I would be one of those, but I do not intend to put myself anywhere in the proximity of that ever taking place. So I have a friend in the house. I have no desire to go to Yemen. I, I have to Tanzania, that's not on my agenda. That's not what God called me to do. I know him well enough. That's not what he wants me to do. But that is that, that's that relationship of, do you just know me? Know about me? Or are you with me? If somebody's going to say, I never knew you. So in, in other words, I knew you knew about me, but as far as being intimate, as far as you worshiping me, as far as you being my child and let me shower you with blessings, that, 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 that never happened. Christian, fourth question. What was the first question? Do you remember? Are you a fan or a fan? Second question. Second? Decision or commitment. Third? You know about him or you meet with him? The fourth one, and I'll conclude my only conclusion. And this is, this is a, this is probably a question that I would like to ask the more secular denominations. I don't think that a spirit-filled, charismatic church can identify with this. But let me just ask, let me just ask you a question. Okay, listen. Are you ready? Wait for it. Are you following Christ or are you following the rules? Are you following Christ or are you following the rules? There are those, Miss Linda, there are, there are those, Pastor Rhonda, that can remember that in our generation, there were things you did not do and you did not wear and you did not go if you, there was actually a, there, there was actually a denomination that years ago thought it was sinful to drink Coca-Cola. There have been denominations that have felt like that it is sinful to wear jewelry or makeup or, or diamonds or to get anything pierced, wear pants, girls wear pants, shoot pool, mix bathe. Anybody relate? How boring. Who would want to who would want to serve a God that all everything about him is the rules. Are you following are you following him or are you following the rules? Are you doing because of what you got because you gotta do it? I go to church, I gotta tithe, I gotta praise, I gotta clap, he says clap, I gotta do this, I do that. Is is your relationship with God about a big long list of, of rules or is your relationship with God because you know him, you love him, and you care about him? Two thousand four Matt Emmons, the Olympics, name sound familiar, competed in the rifle marksman, had technically won, had one more shot to make. 
And Robbie, he didn't have to hit the bullseye. All he had to do was hit the target. And that would have made him the, the, the winner in the Olympics. Somehow, somehow, as he lined up on the, the lane that he was shooting at, Keith he was in lane two, but instead of hitting the target at lane two, he shot the target at lane three. Completely missed the mark. Completely missed the mark. Completely missed the target. And instead of placing first, he placed eighth. Wouldn't it be sad if all of our lives serving God, we learned that we have really missed the target? Wouldn't it be sad to realize that that's not what God expects out of us? He doesn't have a big list of rules. I mean, technically, there are only 13 rules that he has, the Ten Commandments and reiterating the loving one another. And they're pretty good. They're pretty good. They're pretty good guidelines. Look at somebody say they're pretty good guidelines to live by. If everybody lived by them, there wouldn't be jails, prisons, police department, terrorists. There'd be, none, there'd be none of that if we just live by the, the 11 suggestions or the 11 commandments that he's given us. But, but this morning, um, in reflection, I'm going to go home today and ponder, what can I do this week to place myself in position to qualify for what God has for me? What, what, what areas of my life do I need to focus on? What, what, what things in my life do I need to change? What, what can I do in the next seven days, the next six days? What can I do to become what God wants me to become? And that's the morning. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Have you made a commitment or a decision? Are you following the rules? Are you following him? Are you intimate with him? If not, get around someone that is and pick their brain and find out how they do it and stay right there with you. Love of the Lord this morning. Is that a good word? Is that a good, that, that help? I, I,